Welcome in. This is the college football edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am AJ Hoffman. Sitting in with me today, not RJ, it's the great Steve Fezzik. Steve, how are you, man? I am excellent. Happy to be here. I'm really excited about what we're going to do because we are going to go ahead and you are going to shine here, going to show your college football expertise. We're going to be breaking down the big five conferences and you're going to have best bets. You're going to tell us where the value is in terms of who's going to win the conference and, and a season win best bet with each conference. Yeah. So well, the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to give who I think is going to win the conference. Uh, and then I'm going to give it, it va- who has the best value, like at the current odds. Who's I think the best? Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are going to win their conference. This would be a really easy podcast <laughs> if that's all we had to do. So, and then I'm going to give you a win total in each conference. So uh, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. Beautiful. You know, let's go alphabetical order with the Big Five. Let's go right to the ACC. Obviously, Clemson is the class of the conference. Let's start breaking it down. What do you think about the ACC? I think Clemson wins. So I I know that's a a, a big stretch, but Clemson minus. 125. Actually, it feels like a good number, actually. I, I think Clemson is markedly improved from last year. Uh, and if they don't get the quarterback play that they're expecting from DJ Ungulele, I'm going to butcher that name Ukulele all day. Ungulele with the G. I'll just call him DJU is what I've <laughs> referred to him as. Um, it, but he was such a massive disappointment last season coming off the two best quarterbacks in that program's history. So you go Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and then last year. And the, the defense carried the team. They actually won 10 games. Yes, the defense is incredible. This mm-hmm. is – and that's why I'm backing them again. This is the best defense in the country. They've certainly got – Whoa, the, in the country? I think so. They've Better got, than Bama? I think so. Really? I do. Uh, so it, it, they remind me a lot of Georgia last year. Mm-hmm. They're dominant up front. The, the best interior defensive line in the country with Tyler Davis and Brian Breesey. Four starting caliber guys on the ends that they rotate in and out. Uh, it, the back end's a little inexperienced, but uh, obviously they're Clemson. They, they, they're getting good players in. Uh, they were eighth in total defense last year. I think that they improve on that even this year. And, of course, they play in a conference that, will make them look good on defense because there's, you know, it's not the most powerful Shootout conference. Teams. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I think that if if DJ struggles, they're going to pull the trigger on Cade Klubnik, who is the the top incoming freshman in the country. Some are um, backing him 100 to 1 to win the Heisman, am I correct? Yeah, Scott Seidenberg is. Mm-hmm. Scott, Scott Seidenberg likes the idea if DJ struggles that they put him in. And the assumption would be with the talent around him, and you, you think Clemson's going to be a playoff team, then yeah, quarterback. But if DJ who gets struggles, will they lose and fall out of national title consideration? Maybe DJ struggled in a lot of games last year that they won, mm-hmm. and I think if they if you see that again, you'll see Clemson refer you know kind of uh, fall back to getting to the playoff isn't good enough for us. We're trying to win this thing, and what we're seeing with DJ can't win. So let's just see if, we, if we've if we got more upside with Klubnik, throw him out there, who knows. But I also think I could we could see a big improvement from DJ. I mean, the guy was pretty well pedigreed. It could just be that things were moving too fast for him his first year. Do you have a, a precedent in college of a well-pedigreed quarterback that really struggled and underperformed and then all of a sudden, you know, kicked butt and did great? Anybody? That struggled early, then kicked butt? Yes. Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. It's a great example. I remember the year that LSU won. Uh, one of my preseason handicaps on LSU was, man, I, I see a lot of talent here. 
I just don't think Joe Burrow is good mm. enough to take advantage of everything that they've got because until that magical season, Joe Burrow had been very, very average. Yeah. And it was like, man, you've got the, this massive collection of talent, wide receivers, cornerbacks. Your, your team is loaded, but they've got Joe Burrow. How good can they be? And then, of course, Joe Burrow turns into the magic man. LSU has the best offensive season we've ever in seen. In history, yeah. yeah. So I, it, it can happen. Um, it just it, it it's probably rare. Sure. All right. For the value pl- play in the ACC, I'm going to go with Miami at plus 500. And I we talked about this the other day. Uh, I guess the last pod when we did the uh, the top 10, and I had Miami 10th in my uh, in my power rankings. I, I'm higher on Miami than the rest of the market by probably about four or five s- slots. Here's why I. I love their coach. I love Mario Cristobal, and I love their quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. Cristobal killed the portal, killed it. And uh, he's obviously a great recruiter. He kept all the guys that he wanted. He brought in a bunch of transfers. Um, one of the terms that we're going to go with this year is TARP, and that's something we got from uh, from Action, is where uh, I guess who originated it. Uh, but it's transferring assets and returning production. It's a way to track who went in, who came out uh, of the transfer portal, and and basically who stayed, who who stuck around. And in that stat. The Hurricanes are 19th nationally, so they they did really well this offseason to keep what they had and bring in more players. But Van Dyke is really I'm I'm very 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 high on this kid. He's the best quarterback Miami's had in probably 20 years. He was 25 to six touchdown to inter- interception ratio, and on top of that, I think maybe as a it was a surprise to me, might have been a surprise to Miami. He ran the ball really well. On top of that, and PFF had him as the only quarterback that was top 10 in yards, touchdowns, and big-time throws in the country in the second half of last year. So his first action, I mean, sure, it took him some time to get into the flow. By the end of the season, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They also give him Josh Gaddis, who was the OC at Michigan last year. Uh, the guy who was the most efficient offense in the country last year. Before that, he was at Alabama. So this is a guy who's been around some some high-level offenses. Fresh blood on defense, too. Kevin Steele brought in to toughen up the defense. Here's why I, I like Miami as a value play. I think they're the class of the Coastal Division. And if they can get to the dance with Clemson, or if for whatever reason Clemson struggles again and doesn't show up there, I think that you're, you're holding a really good ticket with Miami you know, because I don't, I don't see anyone in that side of the of the conference that's going to beat them right now. In your power ratings, neutral Clemson minus eight, at, at least, at least, yeah. So I mean, maybe ten, probably closer to ten. So like a three to one underdog. Yes, at, at the current but, number. But at, at plus five hundred, you feel it feels like value. Let me let me ask you with this conference. Obviously, the Wake Forest quarterback. Oh, that issues, changed everything. Issues. Uh, Wake Forest would have been my value pick in this conference if we did this two days ago. So Wake Forest's season win was eight and a half. Now it's down to seven and a quarter. Sevens to seven and a halves. Mm-hmm. Fair to say that you could only look under, given it, that. It, no doubt. And uh, he is probably six or seven points to the line, conservatively. Um, he was, This is a guy who was like top 20 in the Heisman uh, uh, odds. This is a this guy is the real deal. Mask, when did you find out that he was out? What uh, time in the morning? Very early, like um, 6.30 or 7. Yeah, so, you know, just like when you're up early and you get, you know, breaking news, because I know I did get a piece of the under 8.5, not mm-hmm. a lot of it, 
But uh, I know our, our mutual friend Brad Powers was um, up with the Roosters at 5.30 in the morning, and the second he saw that, he hopped in his car, went over and played against the dummies, I mean the, the bookmakers at South Point. And, <laughs> Good for him. Uh, yes, and went ahead and picked up his free $1,000 yeah. or $2,000 or whatever he was able to get down on conference wins under and, you know, um, Good for Brad. Is that one of those things that they're going to look back and be like the the book is going to come back and say, oh, of course this guy got down this much knowing this information. Are they going to be pissed about it? Oh, I'm sure. Um, and South Point has a reputation for backing off the the, the paper tiger. They have they have a reputation for oh, beat our chest. We're we're big boy, and I'm not allowed to bet there. Right. Um, Do you but, think but, he used his card? Could have, uh, could have not used his card. He he, he, he pulled the kiosk. I, I believe. I believe he went to the kiosk and just started. Pumping in kiosk bets instead of going to the window. So nobody knows who bet it. Yeah, that's so the smart move. But 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 uh, I mean I'm not, I don't don't want to speak for Brad, but I'll say this: um, if uh, to a South Point, you Brad, you bar Brad Powers. Brad Powers knows people, so he's yeah. almost like, oh, we tried it my way. All right, now we'll do it your way. You don't let me, don't let me play. I I won't hold a grudge. I'll just send lots of friends in. Go yeah. go right ahead. You know, and I assure you, you'll get even more action from Brad if you do that. South yeah. Point. Good luck. <laughs> All right, for our ACC win total, what do you you disagree with Miami or, or Clemson? You know, in general, directionally, I hate trying to find plays on conference title winners because what I found is that if anything, the the prohibitive favorite oftentimes is light. Sure. So like Clemson's minus one twenty five. I do think Clemson's light at one twenty five, and I think Clemson's going to win sixty percent. So yeah. bang, okay. Now, how often does Miami need to win? Well, they need to win, you know, at 20%. Right. Well, now I've used up my 80%. You can see where I'm going. I get that. I'm running out of percentages. I mean, it's possible Pittsburgh could win. It's possible NC State could win. You know, but um, then again, one thing I do like about it is that there's not really a whole lot of teams that I would even put in that category with Lake Forest falling out that really have any kind of viable chance to win. Well, let's get to Pitt, who I have a win total on, under 8.5. And And this is a team that was 11-3 and last year, mostly thanks to two guys, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. Kenny Pickett, the only quarterback taken in the first round this year. Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner, Transfers to USC. Overall, they lost three of their top four receivers from last year. They lost their top tight end from last year. And they lost Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator who left to be the OC at Nebraska. And what did they do? They brought in a, a heavy run offensive coordinator. Yeah, that'll work in today's uh, today's college football landscape. So their home games are against – when I look at schedule – I look at, okay, you're playing the four worst teams in the conference, Duke, Georgia, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. Although Virginia Tech could be better, but those are projected four worst teams in the conference, all four home games. So I like that they're burning up their home games on games that I probably, probably would have won anyway. They probably would have won on the road, so it doesn't matter. Their road games come against the toughest teams on their conference schedule, Miami, North Carolina, Louisville, Virginia. And they swapped out their non-conference features, uh, Tennessee and Western Michigan again. They played them both last year, split one and one. But they swap out a game again. They had, last year they had a game against UMass. This year that game is West Virginia. So a tougher schedule this year as well. Pitt under eight and a half. I guess West Virginia, they're laying seven. Yep. There's been quite UMass a, was the worst team in Division One last year, right. so I, I sure mean, laying seven versus seventy-three percent versus a hundred percent. Yes, um, Mark, the odds makers are having trouble setting this game. I I saw this line being anywhere from five to as high as nine during the summer. 
settled in at seven. Where do you think it closes? I think it probably I think it probably stays around seven. Mm-hmm. I don't expect much more movement. Would be would be my guess. Very good. So you're going pit under for your season win play. You're going Miami, Florida, five to one for your value play to win the conference ACC. I th- I think we should talk Big Ten. Let's do it. And this one I gave out. A couple months ago, Ohio State to win the Big Ten. Uh, it's now it's at minus two fifteen now. So the the money keeps coming in on Ohio State. It, it's hard for me to get on to anyone else here. The the offense is going to be dominant again. They lost two first round wide receivers. Doesn't matter. They're still bringing back the best QB wide receiver combo in the country. C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, Stroud was just so ridiculous last year. Completed 72% of his passes, 44-6 to touchdown interception. They've got one of the top running backs in the conference in Trayvon Henderson, and they've got good depth there as, as well. And then Smith and Jigba, you know, people talk about the guys who, who went to the NFL. Both those guys were out. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were out in the Rose Bowl. That's the game where he caught 15 passes for 347 yards and three touchdowns. The guy's pretty good. And Marvin Harrison Jr. will be into the mix with that as well. Uh, if, if there's any worry on the offense – it's the interior of the offensive line, but they return both their tackles, including a guy who's 6'8", 360. Like, it looks like a, a, there's a monster or a grizzly bear or something playing left tackle for Ohio State. Um, and really, the, the games that they lost last year, it's easy to point to why they lost. Had the flu against Michigan, you know. Well, the defense stunk. Yeah. Their, def- their defense wasn't very good. And they said, okay. Let's find the best coordinator in the country and go poach him. That's exactly what they did. They got Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. Uh, they brought in some some really high-profile assist- – and Oklahoma State was a top-five defense in the country despite having, like, top-50 talent last year. So, I mean, that, that's a, a I think it's a great hire. I think it's a big loss for Oklahoma State. We'll get to that in a little bit. You know, Mark Lawrence refers to the teams like Ohio State as mission teams, teams that are always great – and then they have a year where they're only very good. And yes. And they come back with a vengeance, typically, if they don't win their conference. Yeah. And Ohio State, they're going to be that mission team. I think they were very disappointed last year. I look at their schedule. I don't see a loss. Uh, you know, this is Notre Dame is the opener. It, 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 I don't think that that's even a, a real game. They're 14.5-point favorites. So if it goes up every day. Yeah. If, you're, if, if that's your home opener, okay. okay. I mean, that's, that's one of your tough games. Uh, the only real stumbling block I can see possibly happening is Michigan again. I think Michigan's the only team that's close to being able to play on their level, but I, it just it's hard for me to imagine it happening twice in a row. So I, I think Ohio State ends up in the national title game. I think they win the Big Ten minus two fifteen. It's getting probably pricier than I feel like paying, and that's probably because I've got a cheaper ticket in my pocket. It's probably the difference, too, between betting on a credit shop versus having to put the money up. If you have to put the money up, who wants to lay 200 on anything and, exactly. and wait? But if you if you got, like, if you're lucky enough to have accounts that, you know, with lots of credit, you know, right. it's, a lot, it's a lot easier to make a wager like this. Uh, Mackenzie, I think you got a typo on this. you got Nebraska 16 to 1. Shouldn't that be 160 to 1? They Listen, love Nebraska. Nebraska I think Nebraska's going to be better this year. Well, I would agree. They were like the worst three-loss team in history, or the best three-loss team in history last year. They, they, they were in every game. I don't think they're going to be like, you know, a, a, a nine or ten win team, but I think they're going to win seven or eight. You know, it's interesting, though, when you watch the team, and then there's a punt, and the kick returner runs back and fields it on the one-yard line and fumbles it. Not a very isn't smart some team. of this coaching. Yeah, they're not a very smart team. fundamentally stupid with the ball. And is that going to change? Probably not. Mm. 
Probably not. All right, for the value play in the Big Ten, the only one I can come up with is Michigan because it, it, it really boils down to I don't think Michigan's going to lose another game. They're going to be favored in every game on their schedule except the Ohio State game. And at Iowa and home against Penn State are the only games that are going to be closely lined. So unless they're if, – if we assume Michigan – let's say they lose one game headed into the Ohio State game, they win the Ohio State game, they win the Big Ten. Because nobody in the, the Big Ten West is going to beat Michigan or Ohio State. So as long as Michigan doesn't lose two games before Ohio State, they've got a shot in that Ohio State game, and you're looking at a ticket that's plus 750. So it, they're, they're not going to be plus 750 on game day against Ohio State. So that's the only reason why I see value in Michigan. I think it's a long shot that that they can compete with Ohio State this year. I think that there's going to be a, a, a an angry bitter Ohio State team. I think it could be just a, a bloodletting. But because the number is pretty solid for a team that I have a lot of respect for, and I can see I think they'll be there you know, uh, with a chance to win it against Ohio State, plus 750 seems like decent odds. For the value, you've got a season win bet for the Big Ten? I do. Wisconsin under nine. Uh, Graham Mertz, who I talked about a lot on my pod last year. I think he stinks. Uh, he stunk all last year. And they were lucky to find a running back in Braylon Allen, who ended up being one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, and it kind of covered him up and kept him afloat. But he was—he's facing eight men in the box. I, I, that's going to be the same thing this year until Graham Mertz proves that he doesn't stink. And I don't think he's going to—it's going to happen. The Badgers lost their top three receivers. The defense that was really a, a kind of a, a game changer for them last year lost eight of its top ten tacklers. Uh, so they, I think they're going to drop off from their their defensive showing. And the scheduling really did no favors on the road against Ohio State, on the road against Michigan State, and at least as far as cross-division uh, d- cross teams. And their, their easy game is Maryland, who's going to put up a bunch of points. Maryland's and, a dead nut over team, right? Yes. And w- w- this is not the kind of team that wants to be involved in a track meet. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. They don't want to be, ch- you know, p- trying to catch up with, uh, with Tua's little brother. So there are seven defenses on the schedule that cannot defend the run. Wisconsin might win those seven games. The rest of them are going to force Graham Mertz to beat him down the field. I don't think it happens. They were, they're going to force him to complete passes on third down. The Badgers were outside the top 110 in that stat last season. I just don't think there's enough wiggle room. Their toughest division games being on the road against Iowa and Nebraska, I don't think Wisconsin can possibly get to 10 wins this year. Best bet whiskey under nine, push or win. Uh, Value play Michigan plus the 750. One more quick question on the Big Ten. I think this is a tremendous move by the Big Ten, bringing in UCLA and USC to, to the conference. and. Sometimes I hear about, oh, Fezzik, you know, is the old guy. Get off my lawn with these crazy theories. But, like, I think it's a really bad move for UCLA and USC. Everyone disagrees. I'm like, if I'm a volleyball player or if I'm a softball player or a golfer, why would I possibly go to USC? And now I've got to have all these road trips to the Midwest, especially if I'm a golfer playing, you know, outside or a baseball player. But um, from a Big Ten perspective, wow. All of a sudden, it's a lot more attractive. Oh, I get to go to L.A. Yeah, yeah I get to make these road trips. You know, it's one, not like a road trip, one extended road trip. Yeah. Play both teams, right? That's That seems very positive for Maryland, 
or Wisconsin or Nebraska (laughs) or Northwestern or anybody. No, yeah, no doubt. I agree. Any sport, you know, for all of them, one trip to the to the to to the West Coast there. So I think that could only help the Big Ten, not just from revenue, but from recruiting and and sure bringing in even more, you know, top athletes in all sports. Agree with you completely. All right, let's go to the Big Twelve. No defense in the Big Twelve, and you know, is there? What's the future of the Big 12? Can I ask you that? Uh, it's non-existent. Yeah. Um, I think it's there's either going to be some sort of pairing with the Pac-12, the remaining Pac-12, uh, or it's going to end up being like a, a souped-up Mountain West. I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't look good. Any yeah. chance that— well, Only one of those is going to survive, Big, Ten, or Big 12 or Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I think the Big 12 is more likely to survive because they just took some good schools from the American Conference, like Houston and, and Memphis. That's probably going to help them. It, it, the Pac-12, I feel the teams I feel bad for are like Oregon State and Washington State. Sure, who they're going to lose their big brother that mm-hmm. would would carry them in whatever you know sort of sort of uh, rivalry match, make it interesting. That goes away, and then it's like, where do they go? They're going to end up playing Hawaii. Sure, I mean that's it's going to be bad for those teams. Any chance that this that Oklahoma and Texas catch the um maybe not some favorable refereeing and the like and the conference just like wow you know viewing those hmm. those schools as the object of their demise potentially i don't know i, I don't know if they if that's how they're going to look at them because i mean the, the officials are going to they're going to make their money either way and texas and oklahoma could be gone if the big 12 wanted them gone like texas and oklahoma are willing to leave already um, but the Big 12 says, no, let's stick around for a couple. I mean, I think they're trying to milk the money, which makes sense. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I can't, it's hard for me to project if there's going to be shenanigans with referees. Sure. Um, and, and obviously, like you look at a, a conference like the Big 10, I'd say there'd be shenanigans for Ohio State because the conference makes more money when no they doubt. make the Final Four. So if Michigan picks up the first down and they're going to win. Although I think Michigan's a big enough Older. brand. I think Michigan's a big enough brand that they can overcome. Like Michigan and Ohio State, like Ohio State's a bigger brand certainly, but Michigan's still a huge brand. In I, college I, football. I, I just I just go back to like a few years ago when wasn't there a game where Ohio State like lost to Michigan and they like didn't give Michigan a first down? Yeah, but that yeah. but I'm talking about if it comes down to Ohio State playing Michigan and the winner gets in. Sure, well great. Then, it does. then yeah, then it's not. But a if it's deal. if it's if Ohio State loses and it means that. Uh, that Iowa gets in instead. Oh, yeah, I could see. But now, if it comes there. down to o- if it comes down to Oklahoma or Baylor, I can see Oklahoma not getting that favorable oh, rounding. I agree. Type, type of thing. So, uh, value wise, who um, got more parity in this conference than other conferences? Who do you like? Well, I'm going to start with who I think is going to win. I think it's going to be Texas. Uh, they're three to one. Two to one is the about the price you're going to get for Oklahoma right now. I don't think there's that much of a difference between them. Uh, and I, Texas is going to have a, a, a very new look this year, which is great news for Texas. Texas ever beat Oklahoma? When was the last time they won that game? They, they actually win that game more often than they should if you look at how the two teams play out. Like, it's one of those – It's Oklahoma State does this too with Oklahoma. It seems to be, and I might be selective memory, it's like the Red River shootout. All the money always comes in on Texas. Yeah, maybe you could look at the history. And the line drops from like six to four, and then Oklahoma crushes them. So there it is. Last time – oh, yeah, it's been a while. 2018 is the last time. Yeah. When I was there, they were winning all the time. Scroll up a little bit. See that that four out of five chunk? That's when I was there. So I, that's uh, I I actually take some credit for that. I'll uh, you know you can send me your send me your checks, Texas fans. <laughs> but 
here's what I'm excited about Texas for. I, I, I know everybody's talking about Arch Manning. I'm excited for Texas to bring in Quinn Ewers. I, I think that this guy is the real deal at quarterback. And RJ says, well, how good can he be? He transferred out of Ohio State, couldn't beat out uh, you know, C.J. Stroud. But remember, Joe Burrow transferred out of Ohio out of Ohio State, and he turned out all right. So I think Quinn Ewers, it, this was you know the the number one quarterback in last season's class, and I expect him to to win the job. I expect him to do very well. So obviously, an upgrade from Casey Thompson, who started ten games last year, and now is transferred to Nebraska. Um, I, listen, Texas returns the best running back. In, in the country, I'm going to say, and B. John Robinson, uh, I, I think he's fantastic. They've got fan, they've got awesome receivers. Uh, Xavier Worthy's back. He was a, a freshman last year, scored 12 touchdowns. Jordan Whittington returns from a broker, broken collarbone, and Isaiah Naylor transfers in from Wyoming where he caught 12 touchdowns last year. The skill positions are set. That looks really good. The questions to me are on defense, and – that's what that's what killed them last year. So they said, okay. And remember, they were in the first year of a system uh, uh, with a new coordinator, and they said, okay, we got to fix this. I love the addition of Gary Patterson to the staff. For a guy like Sarkeesian to go out and and bring in another, you know, a well respected defensive guy and say, hey, can you be our special assistant to the defense here? I think it takes uh, it, it takes a man to do that. A, a guy who's confident, and maybe that comes with. You know, Arch Manning signing because of you. Uh, you you can be a little more confident now, but I I think that he is going to make up for a lot. Just him working with this defense is going to instantly make them better. And they got some they they brought some stuff in through the portal. They added Ryan Watts uh, from Ohio State. He's probably going to start immediately at one corner spot. Uh, I think the defense improves. Like we talked about Ohio State from a coaching standpoint, improves markedly just just off that. Their road games are Tech. Kansas, Kansas State off a bye, and Oklahoma State, who I'll get to uh, in, in just a minute. I think Oklahoma, like I said, Oklahoma and Texas are much closer than the market says. I, I think Ewers can put them over the top against an OU team that's in major transition this year. So I, I like Texas plus 300 to win the conference. Value Texas 3-1, to one, and how about a season win bet? Uh, well, the value, the Texas is who I'm picking to win. Value is on TCU. Okay. We we talked about that stat tarp. TCU is number one in the country in it. So they they brought back everybody. They killed it in the portal. They hired Sonny Dykes from SMU, who if if you've watched SMU the last couple of years, been a really fun team to watch. High octane offense, and they've got a quarterback in Max Dugan who can handle that pace. Uh, they, they hired Joe Gillespie to be the new DC. This is another uh, kind of a big man move by a coach. This is the guy who. Sonny Dykes played him at Tulsa the last two years, and he kicked Sonny Dykes' ass. So you said something that just registered with me. Okay. Okay, because remember, I'm a square ball in college football. I know nothing. Um, so TCU is like a slower, plotting, good defense team. Had been. So is this not a team I can possibly be look, looking to bet overs? Because have they changed their their, their, their the entire offensive philosophy has changed. It's going to be a go 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 offense. Well, the mar- have have you looked at any totals yet on on any actually of the haven't lines? no. But, but that would be consistent that the odds maker, if they look at past history, they're going to get this wrong. Right? Yes, no doubt. Um, it, TCU it, TCU was missing it, last year. They were missing got like tackles just constantly. It was a mess. This defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie 
he's known for short tackling. He's known for getting into the backfield, causing problems. I think the defense just has to be serviceable for this team to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they will be. So I, at 1,200 plus 1,200, I think there's pretty good value there. 12 to 1. Okay. And the uh, the win total, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State under 9. They lost a lot this offseason. And, after, again, I, I mentioned Jim Knowles when I was talking about Ohio State. Losing him is massive because they – as from a talent perspective, they shouldn't have been a top 50 defense. Instead, they were a top five. They hired Derek Mason, the former Vanderbilt head coach, and he's only got four starters returning from last year's squad, including just one player in the secondary. So the defense, I think, is going to take a big, big step back. Uh, Mason last year was the the defensive coordinator for Auburn, very average Auburn defense. And the the Cowboys were plus double digits in turnovers last year. I think there's big regression on that front as well, especially, like I said, with all the, the overturn in the, in the secondary. Uh, on offense, they lose their top two running backs, they lost their top receiver, and they lost their two best offensive linemen. Oklahoma, we've talked about that tarp, 105th out of 130 in tarp. So they're, they're starting pretty fresh. The, the schedule is easy early on. Uh, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Central Michigan, Arizona State. They're going three and zero. They're going three and zero, but they've got to play Oklahoma and Baylor on the road. Uh, TCU and Kansas State are mid conference uh, teams, and they're both road games. And they have to go to like I know saying going to Kansas is like oh, oh big deal. They've got to go to Kansas, but it's off Kansas's bye. So if if Kansas is going to ever jump up and bite you, so Kansas might cover plus twenty. They might cover <laughs> plus twenty. Uh, they're probably favorites in all their home games except for the Texas game. But even if they if they win all their home games, they've got to basically win every coin flip to get to nine wins. Finding a tenth is much less likely than finding eight. You know, you bring up a great point with college football, and obviously we're seeing that where you're playing uh, Wisconsin under nine and Pittsburgh under eight and a half, and like it, it's almost like at nine, you know, ten and two is a really stellar season. Yep. So if you can get that nine on a good team and not a really good team, you, you're getting your money back or you're winning. You yeah. Know, I, I, I really like that philosophy. All right, let's head over to the Pac-12. and let's, let's do it. A lot of disagreement about USC. I'm very curious to hear what you say about them uh, and your overall thoughts on the conference. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm only going to talk about two teams here. I'm going to talk about Utah and I'm going to talk about USC because my winner and my value play are the same team. It's, it's Utah. Uh, I think Utah is the best team in the conference, and you can get them at plus 240. It doesn't make sense to me. USC was like a four-win team last year. Utah won the conference last year. They're bringing back their quarterback. They're bringing back their running back. They're bringing back their head coach, who's the best head coach in the conference, by the way. No offense, Lincoln Riley. Kyle Whittingham is incredible. Um, but this, the offensive line lost two guys to the NFL, but they're returning a key player from injury, and they pulled in some Power 5 talent to replace what they lost on defense. I think Utah has, like I said, some of the probably top five coaching in the country. So nothing about what's going on in Utah with them bringing all these guys back and having the same coach. Like none of it tells me that they're going to be anything less than they were last year. Utah's projected a favorite in every game on their conference schedule this year. And now the, the PAC 12 has switched to the, uh, the, the method where the top two teams play hmm. uh, for the championship regard. Like, so there's no divisions. Oh, is like, that right? Yeah. So all you got to do is be one of the two best teams. It, it, they can slip up 
and lose a game they shouldn't lose and still be in the in the conference championship game. Obviously, they're power rated through the roof. Like, look no further than first game playing at Florida, correct? Yep. And they're laying two. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a, a very difficult road trip. And they're still being priced as if they're most certainly, you know, exclamation point, clearly a top 10. Yeah. Team. And I think Utah, listen, if you, I, I don't think Utah is a team that can win the national title, but I think Utah is absolutely a team when the market opens up on will this team make the playoff? I think Utah is a team that can make the playoff. They have the look of that the year Washington made it. Exactly. Right. And exactly. They, yeah. We, when they get there, it's like, oh, then, then cute, thank you for cute coming. Cute story, buddy. <laughs> but yeah. All right. And for my win total, I'm going to go with USC under nine and a half. Um, the, the Trojans get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma and become the fifth favorite to win the national title. That doesn't make sense to me. I get it. He's a great coach. They, they upgrade quarterback. A lot of their problems last year weren't with the offense. Their defense stunk. Mm-hmm. So if their offense is great again and their defense still stinks, what changes? Uh, it, they brought in uh, a couple wide receivers, including Jordan Addison, which I, I think is great. 13 new players through the transfer portal. I think the defense, again, like I said, the, the big question mark. I, I don't know that they're better. They ranked 119th in Havoc last year, 120th in pressure rate. That Well, we'll go back. Havoc. Havoc is a, a stat that measures how often you're getting in the backfield, um, mm. tackles for loss, things okay. like that. Um, but So they, they ranked so low in those stats despite being top 20% in blitzing. Hmm. So they're blitzing all the time and still not getting pressured. They're just not good. The secondary lost five of their top six guys from last year. But again, none of them were particularly good. Um, so based on the schedule, I, I, like I said, I think USC might be the highest team in the country, but the defense has way too many question marks for me to think that they go from four wins to, oh, wow, you, you national title contender. I don't believe it. So I'm fading a very public team here. So I, And you get plus 135 on the under as well. And money has just consistently come on USC throughout the summer, right? And, it, yep. it, and back to being the narrative, of, oh, they're going to be so much better. You know what? To, to, to Obviously not to the same level, but I've seen this with Nebraska for like the past three yeah. years. This is the year. And like, but wait a minute, they only won three games last yeah. year. Listen, if USC's if USC's defense is average, maybe that they maybe we're talking about they can compete, but I don't think they're even gonna be average. Would it be I, fair I, to say that if there was one team that you want to bet against each and every week, that USC would be at one of those top five teams? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, I I I don't think there is Clearly, the market is in love with this team, and I'm not. And I may look like a fool when I'm like, oh, Utah's better than USC straight up. Maybe I'll look dumb. I, I don't see it, though. We're in the Pac-12, so we're in the in the same neighborhood. Let me throw out one team that we're not talking about today. My team, I think, would be Nevada. Everything that I've read says this team is just going to have the wheels crash yeah. on them. Would you concur with I, it's that? A, I mean, it's a, a total reset. Like Car- Carson Strong kept them in some things last year, but... It's it's looking pretty bleak for those guys. It's a win total under that I liked. Um, yes. So, uh, was it five Nevada? It's down to four and a half. But, uh, five and a half. It was. Oh, was it five and a yeah. half? Yes. So I, I grabbed the last five. I'm late to the party. That's but, all right. You'll. But I you think know what? You'll be okay. They're going to win three games, so it's probably still a good bet. Very good. So you're going to go USC under the nine and a half. I love this theme of the under nine ish type bets. Yeah. Uh, you like Utah to win the conference? Let's go to the. SEC. All right, I'm going to go with, drum roll, 
Alabama, minus 140. This is the best team in the country. Uh, they return the best offensive and defensive player in the country in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. They added Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who averaged over five yards per carry and was great in the passing game and is a home run hitter. Um, you know, they, they also added uh, Jermaine Burton from Georgia, Georgia, one of Georgia's best receivers they, they bring in. They've also got a guy named JoJo Earl, uh, who was an all-SEC return specialist who's going to play a lot more wide receiver this year, and he's got, hit, like, cartoon speed. It, it, so the, I think the offense is going to be fantastic again. Uh, they've got a, a fantastic tight end coming back, Cameron Lalu. They're replacing both offensive tackles, including Evan Neal, lost to the NFL. Um, but the O-line, believe it or not, was kind of the weakness of Alabama last year. Uh, they finished outside the top 100 in sacks allowed and tackles for loss allowed, which isn't very Alabama-like, but they, they weren't very good last year. Uh, so I, I think if they're you know, losing those guys, might not be the end of the world. They may, they may be able to get better, addition by subtraction. Anderson, Will Anderson is the toughest player to block in the country. Last year had 17 and a half sacks, 34 and a half tackles for loss. He's going to be a top five pick in the draft. He is – rarely do I say, it, like, defensive linemen are really fun to watch, but he's a guy that you've got – before every snap, you've got to look at and just watch. It's fun to watch him play. Um, Dallas Turner's on the other end. He had eight and a half sacks last year. Chris Braswell's their third-best pass rusher, and Saban talked, has talked about using him with Anderson and Turner. This is going to be a real problem for offensive lines if you've got three elite pass rushers – on the field at the same time, which Alabama could very well have. They've also got an elite secondary. Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, Kool-Aid McKistry, Kyrie Jackson all return. And they added LSU transfer Eli Ricks, who was hurt all last season, was a third-team All-American as a freshman, and was like the top cornerback recruit in the country a couple years ago. That's a that's a guy you add him into the mix to what they've already got. It's almost unfair what they've got in the secondary. And, and Alabama, correct me if if you disagree, uh, they would have beaten Georgia if not for their injury to their wide receiver last year. I, I don't know. I, I I had Georgia in that game, mm. so I I was I felt I felt like I was live wagering it, and I okay. was like Alabama's winning, Alabama's winning, and then there you know the, the I, I his name escapes me the the, the injury to uh, Jameson Williams. Yes, and he was dominating yeah. in, in that game, and then when that happened, I was like, oh. I don't know if they're going to win anymore, yeah. and they didn't. Yes, it's it's hard to find a loss on their schedule. Um, you know, at Tennessee and at Arkansas aren't cakewalks, but their games at Alabama should. I win. I will. That's interesting. Right off the bat, what's the money line? Not cakewalks. Would I lay? I'd, I'd lay ten to make a dollar without blinking. Would I lay twenty? Probably not. Probably. Oh, really? Okay. Against Arkansas? Arkansas? Okay. Arkansas is not beating. Mackenzie, can you look up the last time Arkansas beat Alabama? Yes. Uh, Thank you. What the, the team or Tennessee. Or the, Tennessee. The team that you're going to hear about is Texas A&M. I'm lower on Texas A&M than the market is. They don't have a quarterback. Um, but And I, I expect that the Aggies will bring their A game after all the offseason jibber-jabber. Is Alabama going to lose to Texas A&M two years in a row? And Alabama... Like what, what, all things being equal, when one team's sixteen points better than the other team, I don't want there to be locker room trash talking. No, because all that's going to do is ensure that the favorite is absolutely fully focused. Uh, all right, let's get to the value play, and 
Oh, go ahead, McKenzie. I'm sorry. 2006, by the way, Arkansas beat Alabama before Saban got there. And McKenzie, how old were you in 2006? I was 16. There you go. To put it in perspective. How about Tennessee? One second. <laughs> I'm going to guess Tennessee. I, I would guess Tennessee's happened more recently than Arkansas. I'm going to guess less recently. Okay. You might be right. I, would, have, I, I would think it. I would have remembered it. Yeah, it know? may be like the 90s since. Rocky Top will always be. <laughs> we got a push here. 2006. Oh, 2006, overrated to me. So uh, so Al- how many games did Alabama win in 2006? I know Saban was with the Dolphins, so probably not a lot. Yeah, yeah. times were so hard. Since Alabama then. got good. Since they got Nick Saban, they haven't lost either of those teams. I- I'm going to lay them. I'm going to lay the two. Uh, You'll lay 20, two to one. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict that the money line's higher than minus 2,000 in both those games. Okay. Okay. Alabama, uh, 2006, were six and seven, and those six wins were vacated. So whoa, 0 and oh, 7. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Rough year. All right. I'm taking a real flyer on the value. I'm going to go Ole Miss 50 to 1. Uh, Matt Corral leaving is obviously devastating. I will give you 80 to 1 right now. I don't How want it. How much do you Green want? It. I don't want it. To one. I'm just saying, this is the closest thing to a value play so there I can is, find. So that, no, fair enough. Fair enough. But you know what? Then you have no value play because there's no way. That, in, in my perspective, that, well, go ahead. Let me do your well, handicap. Just think about this. I think Ole Miss is the third best team in the SEC West. They beat A&M last year. They get Alabama at home this year. Like this was a ten and two team last year. Ole Miss was. They had a great quarterback, right? They do. They did. They got Jackson Dart in from USC, who's very good. I, I mean, and Link Kiffin if he was that good. How come USC was so bad? W- defense. W- again, their defense. Yeah. Okay. But when's the last time Lane Kiffin didn't make some quarterback look really good? That's a good point. So that all I'm saying is if if Lane Kiffin puts Lane Kiffin voodoo on Jackson Dart mm. and they're able to put up some points, which I think they will, 50 to 1 seems like decent value if you're looking to fade the Alabama Georgia power duo because and I'm not. I'm just mm. put it out there. I'm the not looking they to do beat that. Both of them too, you know, and they're both so so absolutely stacked yeah. and loaded. It's um but 50 to 1's a big number. Okay. Right. For the win total, I'm going to go LSU under seven. Um, this is a team that's still got, let's on the uh, let's say, trying to put a positive spin on it. They've got an unsettled quarterback situation. If you don't put a positive spin on it, it's a disastrous quarterback situation. I think Brian Kelly's eventually going to find success at LSU. I think he's a good coach, uh, but I don't think it's going to be immediate. Ed Orgeron kind of dumped everything out. When he left, like it was, like I mentioned, guys leaving to Alabama. Everybody was out Mm. when Ed Orgeron's stuff went down. Uh, I think people were just sick of the the nonsense, and the coverage pretty bare for LSU. I I don't think it's going to take long for them to recover it, but it's not going to be this year. And when you, which is crazy considering how recently they won a national championship to be this bare, but that's where we are. the The schedule has the usual suspects. It's the toughest division in football. Uh, you know, you're, you're playing. You get Bama and Ole Miss at home, Arkansas and Texas A&M on the road. Auburn and Florida are down, but LSU has to go to both those teams. Florida State to open the season is big for LSU, uh, and there's a game late in the year against UAB. And on pa- on paper, you say, "Oh, UAB, of course LSU is going to." And as Lee Corso would say, "Not so fast, my friend." I think UAB. Uh, is a lot easier for LSU on paper than it is in reality. So I think there's just too many coin tosses on LSU schedule for me to 
think they're going to take this massive jump from last I year. I like LSU in that game. Do you? <laughs> okay. Uh, but getting seven here gives me a little bit of insurance because, uh, like, them winning eight would be a shock to me. And this is a classic example, I believe, when I looked at this team, there are some six and a halves and there's some seven. Seven so widely seven. available. This is a big difference between college football and the NFL, where there are some differences on some teams, but there's, there's certainly lots of teams out there. Um, where the number's just the same. Yeah. The Vikings number is nine. There's yeah. no eight and a half. <laughs> There's no nine and a half. It's nine over minus 120 everywhere. Whereas you look at some, especially in these lesser conferences, and you look at teams like Nevada, Southern Miss, and even the bigger teams like LSU, and it's not unusual. You know, I saw a seven and a half with Vig to the under, you know, yeah. on LSU, and I saw a six and a half. I mean, all over the place, you know, I, and it's Vig adjusted. But, you know, I would say a half win is probably worth 60 cents in yep. college football, worth more if if you've got a team like Kansas, whose team totals two and a half, or a team like, obviously, Alabama's at 11. So a half, I would make the case a half win's probably worth 150 cents yeah. when you're lined at 11, because how many games is Alabama going to win? 11? Yeah. <laughs> or 12? Yeah. Or 10? Yeah. That's the, yeah those are the only realistic options. Yes, and 10 is a lot less likely than 12? Than 12. And I agree. 12 is less likely than 11. Yep. Yep. All right. We don't want to leave you guys without a best bet. So here's what I've decided. I just broke down all these uh, these conferences for you. I, I gave you my handicap, Fez. I'm going to ask you as the, the betting expert to pick which what was the most convincing handicap. What do you believe in? What do you want to go out and play? The pressure's on me, but I got to tell you, I kind of liked all of your season win bets. And you liked them because they were all unders. But, but I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I am like the undertaker. I'm like, you know, Paul Bearer is. Oh, oh, <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the taker. I actually saw him once in Vegas. A little At short. Cheetahs. Short Cheetahs. story. Go ahead. I went to uh, when I was I had for, recently moved to Houston from Austin, and the Undertaker lives in Austin. Mm. And my my roommate uh, had installed the like you know those fancy swing sets that are like wood and they've got like a, a place I don't even know what the brand name is but they're like these massive systems. He installed one of those at the Undertaker's house for his kids. So I moved to Houston and I went back to Austin for a UFC event. Undertaker's a big UFC fan, and uh, I happened to run into him there. And one of the people I know that worked for the UFC introduced me. And, I, you know, he's, hey, I'm, I'm Mark. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm A.J. Hoff. And he said, I know who you are. He said, it's a real disappointment that you left Austin. I really loved your show. Oh. And it was, like, made my day, made mm-hmm. my week. I mean, obviously this happened, like, uh, 10 years ago, and I'm still talking about it, 15 years ago. Uh, 12, I don't know, something, a long time ago, but I still talk about it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm an Undertaker fan myself. Yeah, so I love looking at unders, and, and the reason being, frankly, when teams get hyped, they get overhyped yep. like a USC, um, and people want to play on their team. They want to play over. So all things being equal, unders are the way to go. It's not a coincidence. NFL season win contest last year, I played mostly unders, went 23-7-2, and two, and my $200 investment turned into $6,600. There so go. <laughs> I'm going to predict you go 4-1 and one on these. I got to tell you, I liked them all. I thought you made the most compelling case for Oklahoma State, a team, frankly, I don't know a lot about, but... The fact I don't know a lot about them and they're at nine probably means there's tons of value going under the nine. 
that will be my Fezzik endorsed, endorsed A.J. Hoffman best bet. All right. Well, that'll do it for the show today. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Tell your friends. Well, you'll get the Fezzik Focus pod on this same feed uh, coming up shortly. And all, all kinds of great content from the guys, from uh, the uh, the golf guys, the the Major League Baseball guys, and, and, of course, football season coming up. And McKenzie and Griffin been doing a soccer pod. How's that going, McKenzie? How's, the, uh, how's it been so far? Well, we had one bet. It was a double best bet. It had the best ATS margin versus expected goals, if that makes any sense to you, of any team in week one of the Premier League. So we're happy. We're off We're off to a good start. Excellent. That's good to hear. All right. So, again, subscribe to that. Get all that good stuff. We will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.